Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Have you ever known a leader that you thought to yourself, how did that person get promoted to be the leader? Wondered if they had any training to help them lead people well? Today on episode 50 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Lori Murphy. Lori runs a training company for the purpose of developing strong leaders, especially in the government sector, and she knows the components that will up your game in your personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. Leadership is an inside-out skill set. A leader must get their personal house in order before seeking to assist others in developing theirs. I was reminded of this when administering the emotional intelligence assessment last week to a client where I share with them that your self and social recognition scores need to be higher than the self and social management scores. Sure, you can fake it till you make it for a while, but eventually if your character and habits are built on sand, your platform will fall and that'll get messy or at the least not gain you the respect of your followers. Only out of the abundance of the work done on yourself to develop can you expect to have incredible positive influence on your team and organization. My guest today is Lori Murphy. Here's a little about Lori. She has over 20 years of experience in developing relationships with corporate and government clients in the areas of leadership training and personal development. Her philosophy of leadership development is leadership begins with self-leadership. Her LDP programs include building confidence through strong communication, presentation and meeting skills, personalized feedback and coaching to ensure accountability and personal growth, and integration of leadership skills for long-term success by maintaining a focus on intention and lifelong learning. Lori's training sessions are interactive and engaging, no boring PowerPoint. She knows how to create an effective environment for the adult learner, relevant content, a comfortable environment to share life experiences, and immediate application of new knowledge and skills. Lori hired me to do a training in my area next week, and I look forward to meeting her in person then. Welcome, Lori. Thank you very much, Paul. I'm thrilled to be here to chat with you. So, Lori, how did you get into the leadership development field in the first place? Well, let's see how far back we want to go with that question, Paul. And I was born I in a hospital. Uh, no, <laughs> not that far. Actually, we could go back to high school, actually. I remember in ninth grade, given the choice between taking another physical education class or taking high school debate. Mm. And I was not much of an athlete. And I said, I don't know what debate is, but I'll try it. And... <laughs> The next couple of weeks, I'm in the back of a bus traveling to a nearby town for a debate tournament, and I was so scared. I remember losing my breakfast in the back of the bus and all the other (laughs) teammates laughing at me because they had experience. But after that first couple months, I got over the fear. The next year, I signed up again 
did not too badly, did better the year after that. And then I was hooked. By the time I was a senior in high school, we were winning tournaments and going to nationals. And it just became intoxicating. And to realize that, you know, 17, 18 years old, I could stand up in front of a group of people and command them by what I was saying was mesmerizing to me. So when I went to college, I was in debate and forensics and then went to graduate school and coach debate as well and really found the power in speaking up in front of a group of people and felt really giddy with excitement that you could pass that on to other people. So after I got out of college, I went into you know, banking organization basically and went into training and thought, well, this is a way that I can turn this into something that I, I really do love and morphed into doing public seminars, one day seminars on the road. I was on the road for probably eight, nine years, different city every day doing wow. classes from telephone skills and assertiveness training, conflict management, all those technical skills that mm -hmm. everybody in an organization needs to have. And then I started working for individual organizations and they started asking about leadership. How, how does this translate into leadership training? And so I changed my business model a little bit and then fell into the government contracting role that perhaps we'll get into a little bit later. And here we are. Wow. You know, I think about when, uh, when I was 17 or 18 years old and I had to take speech class in high school and I was scared so much and, and they switched it my junior and senior year. So you had to take it as a junior and then they made it a senior class. I was in a very small school, so I had to take it twice and hated it twice. Then I go to freshman college. I had freshman speech, hated it there, too. And now I'm a public speaker, which uh, <laughs> that is <laughs> you, you really had the leg up to come out of high school and into college just rocking it from the stage oh, uh, because 99%, wow. I would think, of uh, uh, kids that age are terrified. And I think right. was it Jerry Seinfeld that said, um, you know, at the funeral, most of us would rather be in the coffin than behind the mic giving the eulogy. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely true. And, and I tell my clients this all the time. There's your leverage, right? 99% of the people, as you say, don't want to speak in front of a group. So why wouldn't you turn that to your own advantage in your organization to say, yes, I'll lead that meeting. Yes, I'll take on this additional role. Yes, I'll give the speech at that conference that you're having next month because you get the exposure and you get then the experience, the accolades, call it what you will. It just builds on the experience because as, as I tell my clients, every time you get up there and speak in front of a group of people and you don't die, that's your victory. <laughs> and you can use that then the next time you get up in front of a group of people. Wow. That is, I was going to ask you about that later of how, uh, how public speaking and confidence and leadership influence all correspond. So you sort of answered that right there. When you say yes, first of all, you don't die and that builds more confidence for the next time. But it right. seems like you said, then you get the accolades. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, accolades may be too strong of a word, but you get the exposure. So then the next time there's an opportunity, they think about you mm -hmm. instead of Bob or Judy, who are still stuck in their cubicles, afraid to come out. 
And I, I think that part of what I do is to really encourage people to think about the differences between a manager and a leader. Yeah. Because managers get the work done. They've got the tactical things down. They know how to do the details. They know how to make decisions from an operational level where they can crank the work out, divide the workload, get the projects complete. That it's that third stage of the strategic level is what separates managers from leaders. And if you have someone who has a strategic vision, but they don't have the confidence to speak up in front of a group of people and proclaim it to the world, what good are they? So to me, it's absolutely critical that when you're in leadership, you have to be able to get up in front of a group of people, have a coherent message, speak it with confidence. That's what leadership is all about. Oh, that is so good. And I know leadership is influence. That's a famous John Maxwell quote. Uh, <laughs> leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, he used to say. And it's true. You could have a wonderful message and keep it to yourself. And you're not, you have zero influence then. I mean, I guess an author would have influence as well, by, but it's, they're still using their voice through the written word. But if you want people to look to you as the leader, it would seem like you've got to stand up in front of them at some point and share. Right. Right. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, I just hear from so many people, well, I, I'm a leader who just leads from exam- by example. If I show up to work and I do good work, then people will follow me. And to a certain degree, that may be the case. But so much of leadership is language and using mm. language the right way and using words to describe how you feel about something I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this also, but giving feedback to other people, that's a verbal exchange. You can't do that by example, right? You have to be able to speak clearly. And uh, I've got one client now. uh, He's a proud father of lots of teenagers. And he has always been, well, I just lead by example. I I don't verbalize very much when I'm at home and when I'm at work and he's an active supervisor. And I said, well, how do your, how do your kids know how you feel? Well, I, I hug them or I, I work hard for them and kind of that love language about service. And I said, you've got that service thing down, but now you need to use the love language of, of speaking, of actually describing things and where where is your family going and what's your family vision for the future and what are goals that you have as as a family and also at work, you know, what are the goals that you have for your group? And it it has just been amazing in the last couple of months to read his reflections that, wow, now I see the power of language that when you can, you know, sit on that horse with a sword on in your hand, but also use your words to tell people where you're going, that is where the power is. Yeah, that is so good. And it's a great lesson for us as parents, uh, for those that have kids still in the home, great for leaders that, yeah, I hear that all the time as well. Like I'm just modeling the way, which is one of the essentials of yes. leadership. I'm like, yes, that is true. I, I think when when they say that leadership books, though, it's just meaning like you better, your walk must match your talk, right? You don't, you don't want to give contrary messages, but at some point you do have to tell people what your values are or the vision, where you're going, or else they really can't uh, infer that completely from just watching yeah. your life. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, hmm. absolutely. And and you talked about um, modeled way, but also in that the leadership challenge, right? They talk yes. about inspiring a shared vision. And when most people take that assessment, what's their lowest score? At least from my experience, my technical clients, it's inspiring a shared vision because yep. they just have real difficulty, not just speaking up in front of a group of people, but saying out loud, what are their values? What do they stand for? Where do, where do they want this group to go in the next week, month, year, five years? And uh, that that part of it, that strategy, that visioning, it's a skill that people can learn. It really is. But first, they need to embrace it and realize that it, it's going to take some work to get to that point. Oh, Leadership oh. Challenge. Now you're talking my language. One of my yeah. top five uh, leadership book recommends still, uh, we use it for our cohort here in the Tri-Cities of Eastern Washington, uh, for their leadership program. And we are right in Inspire Shared Vision. That is our month. Uh, I get to do the uh, the leadership uh, tip before each session, and you're right. It's it, and it's also not just um, saying what your vision is. It's a shared vision. So it's, I always bring out my binoculars and say, like, you got to see it first, and then you got to put those binoculars in front of every one of your team members so that they uh, share that vision with you and say, oh yeah, okay, we're all going at that. Like that's our future destination right. that we all want. Yeah. So, so you had uh, some transitions in life, um, as you as you told your story there, the banking training, the public seminars, and then on to government contracting. So those are all transition points in your life. If if you were to give counsel to someone that's thinking about switching to a different career path, or is just at a crossroads now, what went through your mind back then? as sort of like, ooh, pros and cons of both? Did you do that little game that many decision makers do? Um, what, what counsel would you give to someone who is debating between a couple of options? Wow. You know, that's a, that's a really interesting question. To me, it, it morphed from one to the next. I didn't feel that okay. I was leaping off of the dock, as it were. I, I really felt I had one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat, and I just need to take that little leap to get both feet on the boat, and <laughs> away I go. But I always tell uh, or suggest to people who are thinking about something new in their life, and this has always just been my life philosophy, not leadership necessarily, is what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. You know, you can always go back to most positions that you have now, maybe in a different organization, but the same kind of work that you might be doing. Um, I really adhere to that thing that our grandmothers always told us, right? You regret what you didn't do, not what you did do in your life. And, you know, I'm of a certain decade where I can really say, wow, I don't have as many years ahead of me as I do behind me. So I better be making these changes if I want to. There are just so many different ways of looking at it, but I I think a lot of it is just the confidence that whether you succeed in it or you don't succeed as much as you want to, to have the confidence to say, I'll bounce back Mm -hmm. and I'll find something else if I need to. Yeah, most of even the biggest decisions I think we make in life, they're all recoverable if they don't go the way that you, you think. You do have the power to bounce back. I, I had my coach 
asked me earlier in the year, so Paul, if you lost all of your clients right now, would you be able, based on the networking that you have and then the other work that you've done, would you be able to build it back up? And I thought to myself and I went, yes, I really, I really believe I could. Wow. And I, I needed to say yes for myself, for, sure. for my own self-confidence in that, because otherwise you start developing a scarcity mindset and that's a really rotten place to be. Yeah, I, it, it, that's an interesting thing that you brought up, Paul, because another one of my clients was really struggling with her leadership power and her influence at work because, well, I've only been here a year. I don't know at all. I, I, I feel like a little baby in an adult's world. And I said, wow, you got to stop that right now. <laughs> you know, where is your worth? Is your worth based on what you know or who you are? And that was a breakthrough for her. And I think for a lot of leaders, we spend way too much time talking about, well, I'm the one who knows how to build the widgets. So I'm the leader. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Leaders are leaders because they have a vision, because they can communicate, because they have referent power, because they have all of those characteristics that we see in a successful leader. And true industry knowledge is something and it, it, it cannot be discounted, but it can't be everything. That is so good of what, what is, where's your worth come from? This is good for all of us, no matter what position you have. And uh, so many people are get wrapped in their identity into their job or their role yeah. or position. And, uh, and that's probably what you're saying about the, what you know, or the position I hold, but it's who you are. And that that sort of sloughs away all of the stress of posing or trying to be someone you're not um, and so forth. You mentioned the word referent power. Can you go a little bit into yeah. detail into that? Well, it, I know that's a model that you are probably very familiar with, the five forms of power, the French and Raven that's been around since the 50s. And it's forms of power and influence, if you will, and it's the coercive power, the reward power, expert, referent, legitimate. And I've heard a different form of power actually thrown in there lately. Um, and it's um, it has to do with political power. You know, your ability to connect with other people, how well you are networked. But it really is the difference between positional power and personal power. And I think new leaders who don't have positional power think they have none because they don't have the word supervisor by their name or manager or assistant vice president. And sometimes in organizations, it's the non-positional leaders who have a lot of power and they can wield it in uh, very successful ways. Yeah. I remember John Maxwell saying like in his first leadership positions, there was the chair of the board. And then there was, I think it was Floyd or whatever, but he was the guy that no matter what the chair said, everybody looked at Floyd to see if he was nodding his head and smiling or shaking <laughs> his head and frowning. So he knew he had to win over Floyd. Floyd had, Floyd had the referent power. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ooh, that political power thing. That is interesting. I, I read that in a blog recently as well, that they've added that in. And I agree with it because, um, well, I think maybe it plays to my desire that we need to be better relationship builders. And when you when you hear the phrase playing politics at work, we all just sort of 
thumb our nose and go, no, I don't want to do that at all. That that sounds horrible. At some level, leaders have to do that. They can do it with integrity and sure. they can do it with, uh, yeah, you know, their core values intact. Um, and maybe it just needs to be looked like I'm, I'm a collaborative leader and I build influence through um, relationships. Is that how you see political power? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we like to do business with people we know. And some people shy away from it. And the last couple of years of being kind of alone in our dining rooms doing work via Zoom it has really brought this to the forefront. Is that mm-hmm. people who were very good at keeping up with relationships through that whole thing are emerging in pretty good shape. Um, because you'll always need people in your corner. You will always need relationships on one level or another in order to um, be the kind of person that you want to be and lead, be the leader that you want to be at work every day. Indeed. So why the government sector, Lori, where have you, you've sort of settled there, uh, at this stage in your career? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it happened almost by happenstance, I guess. I was a contractor of a contractor and, the contract came due after a couple of years and I decided why not me? Why can't I be the one in charge of the contract? (laughs) And when I won it, uh, it was, it was overwhelming. It was just so exciting that I could make all of the decisions in this year long program to build 12 unrelated people, technical professionals into leaders for a major government organization. And the program has changed over the years. Every year we learn and we grow and make changes and so on. But um, it's it's just rewarding. It's fun. Um, it just fills me with a lot of great feelings, honestly, to know that you're influencing people in, in such great ways at home and at work. And the nice thing about working for a government organization is they're very supportive of Mm -hmm. leadership and training and development. And it it certainly um, takes a lot of resources, but the results are, they they, uh, speak for themselves. You need strong leaders who are spending the taxpayers' dollars. And uh, it's good to see that. It really is great to be on the ground level. Yeah, you probably also and you have an impressive client list, by the way, as well in your in your career. Have there been uh, a couple other groups besides government that have been very rewarding for you? And maybe why? I mean, you don't have to say names if you don't need. I don't want to, but there's right. probably been a couple that have been like those were very rewarding. Yeah, you know, I, probably not uh, different kinds of organizations, but the work that I like to do is more than just a one day training. I guess mm-hmm. for me, it's the long-term relationships, and those are the client relationships that I have uh, really found most valuable. Um, adult learners are an interesting bunch. You know, they don't come to a class and say, "Will this be on the test?" <laughs> right? And I've I've had my share of teaching at a community college, and while that was rewarding, it isn't what I wanted to do because I don't want to teach to a test. I want to teach to people who really want to learn. And in a one-day training opportunity, people can pick up maybe a few skills, but when you're able to take a group of adults for 12 entire months, you really do see their growth. 
And that to me has, has really been the best part of my career. Yeah, I too agree that the one the one stop uh, hit and run kind of do not that that's our intent hit and run. We want to deliver value whenever we get asked to be trainers, oh, you know, and then you try to give them your best stuff and try to make it palatable and easily um, uh, implementable, if that's a word, uh, right right away. But yeah, the long term uh, commitment. So I think this is just a, a good word for all the listeners that um, it's even your, your own personal leadership development is not a one-time thing. It's not, oh, I'm going to do this uh, in January and then abandon it the rest of the year. I'm not going to just take this one class. I'm not going to do this one seminar, but I'm not going to read this one book, but it's an ongoing process. That's where it, it happens. That's where the magic happens. And if yeah. you can be part of a group, I would assume you'd agree, Lori, on this one, part of a group there's an, an, an additional benefit to learning alongside shoulder to shoulder with some other people, right? Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. They learn from each other. They feed off each other's energy. And it, it's just like anything. You get 12 people together and they're all going to process at different rates, right? So some people pick things up right away and they run with it. And other people need to sit and think about it for a day or two or maybe even a week. And because of that, then you learn from other people's learning styles and it, it, it just becomes a, a great opportunity for them to um, go through the material together, but learn in different ways and express that differently as well. Yeah, so true. That's what I love about group coaching, mastermind groups, group training, uh, just seeing the lights go on when another person speaks into their life. It, it's a beautiful thing. Well, hey, let's take a quick break. You are listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can contact me on LinkedIn at Paul D. Casey or Growing Forward Services. When we come back after the break, I'm going to be uh, poking at Lori about some of those traits that leaders need to develop to really have the kind of influence that you would want to have. So stick around. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. 
Welcome back to the Grow Forward Today podcast. I'm with Lori Murphy, and we're having a fantastic discussion on leadership and influence. And I want to even go deeper with you, Lori, on this. You have a quote, leadership begins with self-leadership. And that is so similar to the last sentence that I end each of these podcasts with. So we are kindred spirits for sure uh, on that. What have you seen happen to leaders who don't begin with self-leadership? We'll sort of twist that question a little bit. Wow. I suppose every person has their own definition of what self-leadership is. And I suppose a better definition would be self-awareness, that leaders need to be very self-aware. I don't know if you're familiar with the Johari window. This was from the 70s, right? So you've got the, the known to self, known to others, unknown to you, known to others. And you can visualize that blind spot there. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time with that blind spot at really defining what are people seeing that you are doing that you don't see within yourself. And the classic example is the emperor who has no clothes parading through the streets, preening for the crowd, and everyone is snickering and laughing behind his back. No one wants to be that leader, but it's amazing to me how many leaders are that leader. Mm. And that's the problem. If, you, if you're not self-aware, if you don't know who you are, and if you're not strong enough emotionally to really ask yourself, what's going on here? Then not only are people laughing behind your back, but nobody is giving you the feedback that you need to be better at your role and be the best leader that you can be. So that's the problem with not developing yourself at that self-leadership level first is that people aren't approaching you anymore and you're getting a lot of yes people around you. And that's when organizations really start failing. Oh, yeah, I heard that the average person has 3.4 blind spots. And uh, I'll have somebody say like, no, I don't have that many. I'm like, ah, that's why they call it a blind spot. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, and I think, and maybe this is a question for you, like, so if you don't know what your blind spots are, but you want to be more self-aware, mm-hmm. I would assume that you would say to that person, get more feedback, right? How, how, would, you, uh, yeah. well, how would you counsel someone that wants to get better at self-awareness? Well, it depends on how deep people are willing to go, but <laughs> I would definitely suggest some diagnostic assessments. Yep. Uh, something like the Myers-Briggs, people are familiar with that one. I like the DISC assessment, the D-I-S-C, yep. which is very similar. I also like a simple assessment like Strength Finders, the Clifton Strength Finders that has been around a long time. And maybe if you really want to leap off the bridge, you create a 360 assessment where yes. you send um, very basic questions to 20 people who know you and you send it anonymously, find some sort of a vehicle to make that happen. And people will tell you what they feel. And it's humbling. It is humbling to go through that kind of a 360 assessment. That's how we start every leadership development program on that diagnostic level is, do you see yourself for what other people see you? And, and, and that's it. Sometimes it's hard to take uh, what is that that great phrase? If if one person tells you you're a horse's behind, you can ignore it. 
if two people tell you that, you have to give it strong consideration. If three people tell you that, you better buy a saddle, right? <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> wow. That, <laughs> that is great. And of course, I'm an assessment junkie, probably like you are. So you're, you're talking my language with the disc, the Myers-Briggs, the strength finder. But uh, but you're right. And even in most of those, you're taking it on yourself. So you could still be a legend in your own mind uh, while you're taking that. But now right. when you start saying 360, you're crossing over into, like you said, vulnerability zone. Like, yes. all right, I am signing up for people to take some shots at me. Not shots, but, you know, I mean, to be very honest with me. Yes. And I have yeah. to be ready to hear this. Right. Right. And, you know, for people who are not willing to take that leap quite yet, uh, one tactical thing I encourage people to do after every meeting or every conversation, you always tag it with, and I'm open to any feedback that you'd like to give me. Nice. And after the first meeting, people will, they won't even hear it. After the second meeting, maybe they'll hear it and think about it. It won't be until the fourth or fifth meeting, maybe six months down the road that people say, oh, maybe he really means that, that he's open to feedback. Um, you can't just say it once. You can't just say it at, at, at one uh, performance review once a year. You say it anytime you have the ability to do it, but you have to be sincere about it as well. I am open to any feedback. Watch your body language when you say it. Is your body open? Is your facial expression open? Are you you because you certainly don't want sarcasm leaking into that comment. But are you are you really open to feedback? You have to look like you are and you have to sound like you are. Yes. And then when you get the feedback, you have to not bite the person's head off that's giving you the feedback, right? Or then forget it. You're not going to get any more feedback forever. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Right. That is that is exactly right. No, that is so good to just keep saying it over and over again until they believe that you really do want to hear that. And uh, I would also say to people, ask for feedback around every corner um, so you can get more used to it and it becomes, doesn't become a threatening thing. But like, you know, I'm about to send this email to a, a customer. Would you take a look at this before I send it? Give me some feedback on it. Or, well, yeah. you just overheard me talk to uh, my admin. I sort of felt like I might have been harsh. Do you think I was harsh? Uh, on that. And you just start getting more feedback on a regular basis. And then it becomes just that feedback. It's just neutral right. thing that's going to help us get better. Right. Right. And, and you think about it, giving and receiving feedback, it's not a skill that somebody was born with. We're not born with this. <laughs> it's a skill like playing the piano or learning how to play golf. It takes uh, good direction, right? Skill plus knowledge equals, or skill plus, uh, Practice, no, knowledge plus skill, knowledge plus practice equals skill. There you go. So knowledge and practice, those are the two yep. things, knowledge and practice. And so we have the knowledge of what we need to do to give and receive feedback, but do we practice it? <laughs> so you have to practice it. And I've always said that leadership is not some big mystical thing. People aren't born being leaders. A lot of it is skill-based you know, what makes a good leader, it's all about skills and developing those skills and being willing to practice them. Yep. Yep. And you mentioned golf in there. Uh, the best illustration I had for re receiving feedback was 
you hire a golf pro to help you get better at golf. If the golf pro criticizes your swing and says, no, 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 you got to do this. Do you get mad at your golf pro? Of course not, right? You're paying, you're paying them money to help you get better. You would never say to your ski instructor, Hey, knock it off. Quit giving me those <laughs> negative comments, right? right. <laughs> like, I don't want to fall. So help me with this. But why do we do that with, uh, you know, our leaders that give us feedback or our colleagues or our spouses uh, who give us feedback when they're just trying to sharpen us? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned that confidence uh, is one of the keystones for being a strong leader. And then you tie confidence to communication skills. So how does confidence birth out of strengthening your communication skills? I think it's because when you speak, you're you're taking a risk. Anytime you open your mouth, you don't know what the response is going to be from that other person. And when you stand up in front of a group of people and you give people a message that you feel good about and you at least get a neutral response or even applause, that's the confidence that you need to say, you know, I might be able to do this. Um, not all communication is as easy as standing up in front of a group of people and speaking. Sure. I mean, I mean you're delivering a, a difficult message or it's a potentially con- a conflict situation. That's harder. But if you know that you have the ability to speak well and you have a message that you can give, then that would help your confidence to do that. Um, there, there's so much wrapped into good communication skills, though, right? We have most people have a very strong need to be liked. We don't want to offend. So instead, we suffer in silence because of all of these mystery conversations we have in our head that don't go the way we want them to. So we say nothing. Then the problem doesn't get solved. So it's more than just, gosh, if you have confidence, you can be a great communicator. It isn't that, but it certainly is a, a, a brick in the layer. Yeah. I like, I like the illustration of that, that brick, when you get a neutral or positive response, it builds another brick in that, I guess we call it a platform of, of your leadership, uh, strengthening your, your leadership when, when you get those wins. But if you just keep stewing in your head, <laughs> you call them the mystery conversations in your head. Wow, we've all had those, right? Where if she says right. this, I'm going to say this. And if he says this, then I'm going to say this. And none of that ever plays out like that. But it paralyzes us. Yes, it does. Yeah. Hey, what is it in, in crucial conversations? The authors call that mastering my story. Uh-huh. I'm mastering my story in my head. And you just know <laughs> how it's going to turn out. It usually doesn't. <laughs> because we don't think about the other person's story. We're only thinking about our own. Right. <laughs> right. Ooh, another good book recommend, listeners. Uh, <laughs> Crucial Conversations. Lori and I could go back and forth on books forever. Yes. Uh, right. Probably on that one. But uh, you've heard a couple today. Lifelong learning is another keystone for a strong leader. And I'm I'm really, frankly, Lori, amazed uh, at people in leadership positions who aren't actively learning how to be a better leader. It's like they get the position and then it's like, I'm out. Now I, now I can just go into coasting mode and do the leadership, but don't have to learn how to make it better. How will a leader who values lifelong learning excel in whatever position they're in? Well, uh, the obvious thing is if you are a lifelong learner of anything, you get better at it, whether it's cooking or 
uh, being a parent, whatever it is, the more research you do, the more tips and techniques you build and you become stronger at your craft. But I think the biggest thing for leaders is when they continue to learn and grow, they encourage, encourage and influence other people to do the same thing. So then you have a whole staff of people who know the benefit of growing and have brown bags together. Hey, I've read this great new book by Brene Brown on leadership. I'm going to buy everybody a copy and let's let's read a chapter together at a time. And, uh, you know, maybe talk about it once a month over pizza or something like that. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a book either. It could be it could be a podcast like your podcast. Right. Listening to that every week. I like the idea that so many of these authors and researchers um, get on their list and uh, get a little little blip on your phone. Quote of the day, something like that. Uh, one of my favorite authors right now is James Clear, yes. author of Atomic Habits. And every Thursday, he sends me his three, two, one. Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it's just, uh, you know, what does it take? Maybe five minutes, but little nuggets uh, that can get you through the next week that you can apply maybe to your life. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you want to stay fresh and continuing to have uh, new ideas and especially new ways to stay positive and energized? Because these days life can get you down if you let it. Yes, positive inputs uh, so critical for a leader because the yeah the natural stress of the job and the negative inputs that are hitting us from the world um, will gradually burn us out. I mean, if we if we don't counteract that with positive inputs. So yeah, yeah to- totally agree. And I just left a client, um, uh, a live, uh, an in-person client at a coffee shop. And I said, so it was our first session. And I said, so what do you want to, how do you want to grow this year uh, in your leadership to be better professionally? And she goes, in everything. I've never had anyone actually say that before. Cause they're always thinking like, what's a specific thing? She goes, I want to get better technically. I want to get better at soft skills. I want to get better at my leadership skills. I want to get, better. and I was just like, this is my ideal client. <laughs> <laughs> That's influence and enthusiasm that was, right there. That was amazing answer. And I know she's going to thrive in her new position uh, because of having that attitude. And yeah, the buying the books for your team and reading one chapter uh, at a time together. Uh, so that's both modeling the way and casting, uh, inspiring a shared vision because you're doing right. it with them. Um, <laughs> yeah, kudos about the James Clear email uh, that, that I get every week. So a lot there's a lot of newsletters floating around by uh, influencers, sure. podcast hosts, and authors. And I, I delete most of them, but I always read his um, because he's made it succinct. And I even hit the print button and I've started a file about them because I'll probably use some of those quotes and give him the credit uh, for them. And in fact, listeners, um, in the new year uh, of 2023, whenever you're listening to this, uh, I will be putting out the growing forward, F-O-U-R, forward newsletter. And I'm sort of taking a page from James and uh, giving him either four minute videos of four four, uh, quotes that I've heard from my clients uh, for bullets on some other way. So it'll make it easy to read and hopefully something that you can use in your leadership. So stay tuned and I'll give James Clear the credit for the idea. <laughs> so I noticed, Lori, that each of your students and participants set LDP leadership development program goals 
but also you encourage them to set life goals in the program. Now I can guess, but why do you encourage them to set broader goals outside of work in the program? Work and life has changed, right? In the last 20 years, I remember first starting out as a young professional, you'd go to work in the morning with your start shirt and your suit on and you'd go to work and you'd come home, take that suit off, work would be over and you would be at home. And now those lines are blurred. We're working from home. We don't even look different now when we go to work. There's no such thing as work clothes. I'm air quoting here. <laughs> so what happens, especially now, is we, there is no separation between work and home. So why wouldn't it make sense that you would say, gosh, if you want to be a stronger leader, let's find some other ways in your personal life where you can be stronger too. Have you always wanted to have um, stronger muscles? You know, let's let's talk about maybe some weightlifting for you, something you've always wanted to do because that confidence then will translate to your work uh, environment as well. And and back and forth it goes. If If you forget the person at home, you're doing them a, a disservice because people do not lead just at work. They also lead at home. I've had the best conversations with people when I say, well, you've got other people living in your, your home, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you're a leader at your home, aren't you? Well, no. Well, of course you are. <laughs> you know, you're, you're leading a household. And when you put it in those terms and phrases, then people can see, well, there is a parallel. Right. And like you said, if, if you're rocking it in one area of your life, it often bleeds over into the other area of your life because it's hard to it's hard to hit home runs in every area of your life at the same time most of us don't but if you're hitting it in one area and you're you're rocking your weight lifting and your intermittent fasting or whatever you're doing for your wellness goal but work is a drag right now um you may actually still have that confidence to bring to work or vice versa right work is great you got a promotion you got a bonus uh it's great but it's like oh i gotta eat better uh, well so you can sort of apply some of those same principles that you're rocking at work to home life and uh, give you more confidence there. Well, it looks like uh, you encourage each leader that you train, Lori, to establish a personal mission and a personal brand. What, first of all, differentiates a personal mission from a personal brand? Some, both of them seem like core foundations. And then for a listener considering developing a personal mission and brand, what advice would you give? The, the mission comes from the, the classic mission statement. And if if any of your listeners have read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that he talks a lot about the importance of a mission statement. And, and the mission statement is basically just a vision that you have for a particular area of your life. And I think mission statements are, are critical. They bring groups together. They bring families together. So the mission statement is different than your brand. Your brand is how other people think about you. So offline, if I were to say, well, I, I know Paul Casey, what do you think about Paul? And what their, their statement is or what their response is, that's your brand. Mm -hmm. So if you don't own your brand, somebody else will create it for you. <laughs> so to create your brand, you have to use words that you would like other people to use about you. Once again, coming back to that language conversation. So when you're talking with people at work, if you want your brand to be that that I'm professional and I'm always on time, 
then you would say that in a meeting. Well, I want to make sure that these documents are the most professionally made that we can. And it's very important to me that they always be on time. And if you say that consistently enough, then that becomes your brand. Using words to describe you that you other people that you want other people to use about you is uh, one way to make that brand happen. Yeah, so it's like you're living in congruence um, with who you say you are, and you're going to live that out. And then as a result, you get a brand, right? It, it, it's actually an end result. It's not the thing that you seek the brand, which some people I think are trying to do in this world, right? They're yeah. trying to, I'm, I want to be branded as as this. It's like, no, you, you live it and or you insist uh, that it happens at work and then you get the brand. Would that be another way of saying it? Yeah, it, it would. It would. But I also think that people need help with language that it's all right to use those words and phrases about you that you want other people to use about you. Mm. Okay. So that's the leadership is language thing that you mentioned earlier, oh, right? Absolutely. What would absolutely. be another example of that? Um, oh, here's one. This is a really easy one. Uh, you hear leaders all the time saying to their, their team, all right, you guys. And that's how they address them. And that's the first thing that has to go. If you want that group of people to be seen as a team, you call them a team. So when you start the meeting, you say, all right, team, let's get started. No more. Mm. Okay, guys, let's sit down. Mm. No, they're a team. Call them a team. They will see themselves as a team when you call them a team. Yes. I've tried to start doing this in that local program by saying, hello, leaders. Good morning, leaders, right? There like, you go. Like live, yep. live into that, right? Live into that uh, identity. That's exactly right. Oh, That's so good. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, last couple of questions for you, Lori. Uh, what would you promote for our listeners' personal leadership development? Uh, we mentioned a bunch of books today, so it could be more along those lines or uh, maybe something else that you'd recommend. And then how could a listener best contact you if they wanted to follow up with you? Wow. I, I think that if a person is on a, a leadership journey, I think it is something best done with other people. Yes. If there is a way that you could reach out to a, another work group, or maybe if you are in an organization that is of some size, um, approach HR or training and say, is there a way that I can get some leadership development going in my organization? And if that's not possible and you're doing it on your own, I would start with something as simple as Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful group to start sure. with because that will help your confidence in speaking in front of a group of people. You'll have a like-minded group of people who are into personal development and growth. And that would be a good first step. So a Toastmasters group or maybe a Dale Carnegie organization would also be a good place to start. And then I would uh, do a simple internet search on the best 10 leadership books out there. Now, Paul and I could give you our 10 favorites, but they would probably have some similarities, but some differences and just start reading about leaders and what it takes to lead a group, a family, an organization, a nation, whatever it happens to be. Thank you so much, Lori. You're a fantastic guest, and I uh, can't wait to work with you live next week. Keep Sounds growing great. forward. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Paul. 
So I have some takeaways from Lori today. Keepers worth mentioning at the very beginning, she talked about saying yes when opportunities to speak. Everybody else is going to take one step back. So if you take, if you just keep standing there or you step up, you're going to be the one that gets the exposure, sometimes accolades. You're going to have the leadership because people are going to look to you for influence and leadership. So have that coherent message ready to go. She also talked about how leadership is language, using that language the right way in a powerful way, even calling your team team and not being casual about that because you are creating a personal brand, whether you like it or not. So it would be great to seed that with what you want people to be saying about you, even behind your back. She mentioned grandma's principle of you regret what you didn't do, not what you did do in life. So take that plunge, stretch yourself out there, and then also get your worth from who you are, getting clear on that and strengthening that gets you that referent power, not your position or what you know. The GFT podcast is all about putting practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. And remember, if you learn something and don't put it into action within 72 hours, those valuable gems start to slip out of your brain gradually until they start losing value to your life. Hey, and if you have an event live or virtual for your team or organization that needs an inspirational speaker who gives practical tools for raising the water level of the entire team, I would be honored to be considered. Let's start a conversation. I'm at growingforward@paulcasey.org. Thanks for listening to episode 50. Yes, we made it to 50. Please spread the word about this podcast to those in your circle of influence who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. And until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel.